6 to 7 p.m. Sport on with Tabiso Musia. Thank you very much there to Kanyisile and a very good evening everybody. Thanks for staying with us on SAFM and for joining us on SAFM Spot On on Flashback Fridays. It's an early start on a Friday at 6 to 7 p.m. I am Tabiso Musia and I am not alone. Loyolom Kalip and Katlako Mudiba are producing and Sylvester Komane is our technical producer. We'd like to go back in time on Fridays. I'm sure you know that by now with some of our sporting uh, heroes of yesteryear. Some days we look back at historic moments in South African sport. And tonight we have a very, very special guest, a man who used to wear his heart on his sleeve during his playing days and always told it like he saw it. There is no grey area when it comes to our guest tonight. He's arguably one of South African cricket's best loved sons and won a lot of matches that seemed lost for the Proteas. This man represented the Proteas at three different World Cups. He became the first player to hit six consecutive sixes in one over in ODI cricket. He did it at the World Cup too to go with his many groundbreaking performances during a 14-year career and I'm sure by now you've guessed who I'm referring to and yes we will be speaking to none other than Heschel Gibbs tonight on SAFM Spot on on Flashback Fridays. Very excited and so much reaction already on social media when we posted uh, that we'll be speaking to Heschel Gibbs. So many questions, so many comments coming through and uh, later on on the show we're also going to look at the big weekend for SA teams in Super Rugby. It's the Lions versus the Bulls at Emirates Airline Park tomorrow afternoon and then after that the Sharks host the Stormers in Durban. So it's a cracking weekend of rugby in Super rugby and will uh, be joined by chester williams later on to talk about super rugby but we have to start with our guest mr heschel gibbs if you want to join the conversation call us at any time on 0891 104 207 uh, sms we take sms's on 40938 and we also take whatsapp voice notes on 061 we're using the hashtag safm spot on on social media heschel gibbs will talk to us next Tabiso Musia on SAFM. So, as I mentioned, then we like to. Uh, celebrate our sporting stars of yesteryear on a Friday right here on SAFM and tonight we are celebrating Heschel Gibbs has been kind enough to give us some of his time. Hesh, good evening sir. Thank you very much for agreeing to speak to us and our listeners on SAFM. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, glad I could... Uh Start my weekend off on the right note. <laughs> Great stuff, Hesh. I've, I've had to, I've had to uh, hold the people there. I mean, I'm having a little bride. I've yeah, told them, well, because we need to hold play. You know, play suspended just for as long as I'm on the phone. So <laughs> we're all good to go, you know. The covers are on. Tell them, are you still, yes, uh, cele- <laughs> you're still celebrating your birthday? Well, you know, I'm running out of birthdays, but I've got, to, I've got to make it as long as I can these days. Great stuff, Heshi. <laughs> you <laughs> you retired from the game in 2010, but you back, you're playing virtual reality cricket. Tell us more about that and how are you finding that? Um, well, I, I didn't, well, I mean, I retired. I didn't really actually retire, but um, I, was forced, <laughs> I was forced to retire in 2010 because of my autobiography. But I obviously... Um, you know, I wanted to carry on playing as long as I could. You know, I mean, I uh, uh, I still wanted to play for at least another three, four years. Um, but anyway, be that as it may, you know, I eventually stopped playing in 2014. My my last professional league that I played was the Caribbean, you know, yes. League, and that was in 2014. But um, yeah, I mean, then uh, obviously been away from the game for a couple of years. Um, you know, basically. Taking a break from the game because I played it for twenty five years, which is mm. forever. Um, you know, that started way back in nineteen eighty eight and uh finished in twenty fourteen. So it was a long, long, long journey and um you know, the last couple of years of you know, just basically finding my feet, uh seeing what uh you know, what grabs my fancy, you know, and um yeah, so I've been doing a bit of consultancy, a bit of coaching, a bit of you know, TV analysis, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But um, I haven't found something quite to my liking just yet. But um, this virtual, the virtual, the virtual cricket that was launched in India um, is very—I uh, mean, I wouldn't say for us, obviously, being professional for so long, it's as close as I think the kids will get to what we experience, you know, in the main game. 
Um, it's unbelievable that people that technology has, has come up with something so unique and so real, you know. Um, so the Oculus, obviously, you know, the, the thing that goes on your head. Mm. Um, there's five sensors that's basically, that picks up, you know, the obviously the body and um, all the other extras that, that go with it. Um, so basically, you know, they, you, can, you can play in any stadium. You know, the, the lovely thing is that the stadium is full. You have the commentators in your ears, you know, and, and talking, obviously, as the bowler runs up to bowl, et cetera, et cetera. It's exceptionally real. Um, you know, even just, uh, even with regards to the bowler, uh, to the field of throwing the ball to the keeper, um, you actually can hear the ball, <laughs> wow. you know, being caught by the keeper. So it's as real as you can possibly get. Um, and, you know, technology is just, you know, unbelievable. But, uh, but what an experience. Um, you know, I wouldn't say it takes, it takes you back to actually playing in front of big crowds, which is fantastic because the noise, the noise levels are unbelievable. And there's obviously stages where, you know, you can set it, you know, depending on your age and, you know, the sort of, standard or play that you can face mm. as far as the bowling is concerned. So everything about it is as real as it gets. Um, it's just phenomenal. Oh, that's good to hear. You mentioned uh, coaching earlier on. I heard that you were linked with a coaching job of the India women's team. Was that, is that correct? And how far did it go? No, no. So they ended up going with a another former Indian player. Uh, myself and Gary, obviously, Gary Kirsten was, was obviously uh, the last, basically the last four candidates um, and they ended up going with the, I forgot his name now. Vandakash Prasad? But, no, 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 it wasn't him. It wasn't oh. him. Um, it was somebody else, but it, it was a former um, you know, Indian player. So, yeah, I mean, and good luck to him. <laughs> you, you, you also coached in Kuwait, though, and Afghanistan. Is coaching something that you always wanted to do? Look, it's... <laughs> you know, to my, my batting days, I didn't show a hell of a lot of patience. And, you know, being a coach, you, you need a bit of patience. So I'm just getting a feel of it all. Um, you know, obviously, I've got enough experience, you know, to, to obviously uh, to share. Um, but, you know, coaching is a different thing altogether. And, um, look, there's a, lot of, um, there's a lot of positives that come out of coaching. And it's, it's actually quite nice to be able to see other players benefit, you know, from your experience and maybe your guidance. You know, it's completely different to when you're actually playing yourself. But um, it's a great, um, there's a lot of satisfaction that you can actually get for it. So um, I'm still getting used to that, you know, that sort of thing. I'm, I want to get and, and do as many of these T20 leagues as possible. Um, you know, start off with the smaller leagues and, and basically work my way up, you know, to the big bashes, the RPLs, you know, CPLs, et cetera, et cetera. So at the moment, you know, it's okay. I mean, it's a little bit sparse. Uh, I've, I've done a few pieces here and there. Mm. Um, the nice thing was about Kuwait is obviously they were, you know, they obviously amateur and they still play qualifiers uh, to be able to qualify for the T20 World Cup next year. So they made it to the to the next stage in the next qualifier, which happened in October. So I'll probably, you know, be assigned. You know, that I'll obviously be assigned again for that. Okay, that's good to hear. On that yeah. note of coaching, we already have a voice note for you, Heschel Gibbs, regarding coaches. Let's take a listen to that. Hi, it's Pumla in Durban, Maritzburg. Um, I read your book a long time ago and you had said that you have absolutely no desire to coach or do anything <laughs> of the sort. Is Do you still stick to that, the fact that you don't want to do any coaching or any clinics? Or has that changed? Okay, I guess that came before the question. That's from Pumla, eh? Pumla from Peter Marisburg. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, look, I mean, my book came out, it's been almost 10 years since my book came out. So, I mean, I've had a lot of time to think, and, you know, I mean, 10 years compared to now, you know, two different, two different people altogether. I mean, I still wanted to play then, you know, I was still very much unsure as to, um, as to what I wanted to do once I was finished cricket, but, um, you must, I mean, people must understand, I've, I've played cricket, I'm only 40, just turned 45. I've played cricket for 25 years of my life. That was all I did for, you know, since the age of 16. Um, to make a transition into something else is not that easy, you know. It might be a little bit easier for somebody else. But, um, 
that is why you know I'm still getting a feel of, of the coaching issue, um, you know, and I understand that I've obviously got a lot of experience with regards to the playing, but um, look, I'm getting there, you know. It might still take another two years, and you know, more coaching a bit more frequently. You know, I might start enjoying it a little bit more, but for now, it's been very sparse. But you know, um, I'm starting to get a feel of it all, and you know, if I've been doing for another, you know, five, ten years, and then so be it. Because there's so many opportunities with regards to T20 leagues these days. You know, even the T10 leagues. Yeah. Um, I think the T10 league will obviously uh, improve as well, and I mean, and grow around the world too. So um, there's going to be a lot of opportunities, and um, yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't say for definite, but it is what it is for now. You know, I'm a, I'm a person that loves to live in the now and in the present. I don't. I don't like to know what's going to happen in the future because that will be exceptionally boring, you know. But for now, you know, I'm in a good space and, and enjoying life. And um, what about coaching here in South Africa? Is there? Are you looking to try that out here in South Africa? Is there a chance? Are there opportunities? Yeah. Um, I did some consultancy uh, last year. Uh, was it last year? Yeah, last year uh, with the South African A team. Um, but, I mean, that was a bit of consultancy for two weeks. That's about it. I mean, it's not, uh, you know, Cricket for Africa. <laughs> they, obviously, the coaches in, in place and as, as far as their respective levels are concerned. So, um, you know, I mean, I've obviously got enough experience. I mean, there's no reason why they can't ask me to do a bit of consultancy or a bit of coaching. But um, that doesn't be, seem to be the case. Maybe the rand is not strong enough. <laughs> or maybe they didn't know you were available or you're around. Now now you're around, Heschel Gibbs. Yeah. Let, let's yeah. talk about your career. But actually, before we talk about your career, I understand I've always heard that you had colors in cricket, in soccer, in rugby. Uh, why did you choose cricket? And was it a tough decision to make at the time? Or was it, easy, was it easier because you were still a youngster? Well, at the time of my rugby injury, I, um, you know, I'd been playing first-class cricket for five years already. So I got my... It was a long way back for me these days. Um, you know, I started playing first class cricket at 16. I got injured in 94. Uh, so I was 20, sorry, 20. Mm-hmm. So I've been playing I've been playing first class cricket for, you know, for four years already. And um, basically the surgeon who did the operation on my knee... Um, said to me, basically, you know, you, you probably, you know, have a long career playing cricket than you would rugby. So it's not that I, that I wanted to play cricket. I, uh, you know, carry on playing cricket. The surgeon basically told me, he said, rather just use a rugby and play the cricket because I've been playing first-class cricket for four years by then. Um, you know, I had to give up soccer at the age of 16, which was also a big blow for me because I think out of the, out of the three sports, cricket, rugby, and soccer, I think... Um, Soccer was my second love after rugby. So, um, you know, I mean, I was so gutted after my injury. I didn't went to, didn't go watch a, a rugby match at Newlands for about two years after my injury. Because at that time, uh, I mean, I had a, a Western Province contract and, you know, I was obviously competing with Joel Stransky, um, um, quite, well, Lanshill, quite a few other, you know, well-known, you know, fly-offs. Um, and at the same time, Northern Transvaal, after speaking in our sport for a while at the Craven Week in 92, uh, I mean, yeah, at the Craven Week in 92, he said basically that they would love to have me there, but Western Province was lucky enough to, uh, you know, to give me a contract already as I left school. So um, there was a lot going on in my life at, you know, the age of 18 and 20, and um, there was a lot of decisions to be made. But um, luckily, I mean, I, I went to cricket. It was probably... The last sport that I enjoyed, them, you know, out of the three, but I had to make a, you know, I had to make it out of it. And um, luckily for me, it was a quite a quite a long one. For sure. And out of interest, Heschel Gibbs, which position did you play in football? I was left uh, either left wing or up front in the middle. Uh-huh. I mean, I was, I was, I mean, I had speed. I had a, I had a left, a big left foot and right foot. Don't forget the right foot, man. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget the right. I, you know, I always, I always say that people talk about Messi and, and Ronaldo. Ronaldo. Ronaldo never hesitates to shoot with either foot. Yeah. But Messi always wants to bring it back on his left foot. 
You know what I'm saying? Which means Ronaldo's the best player for you. Wow. <laughs> I don't want to cause uh, Havoc now again. I mean, yeah, we're going to start another show yeah. all together. For those who've just joined us, we're catching up with Heschel Gibbs, a legendary a cricketer, of course, former Proteus batsman. Please feel free to call us on 0891-104-207. Our SMS line is 40938. And we take WhatsApp voice notes on 061-4104-107. We're using the hashtag SAFM spot on on social media. And we're going to take a quick break. SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter. Okay, we've got another another voice note that's come through for Heschel Gibbs on 061-4104-107. Hola, gents. I hope that guy realizes how legendary and special he is. Flashback, he reminds me back in the days when we were playing cricket. Uh, his name alongside um, Gronier, Kalis, Makaya, uh, Boucher, they would fight to be to be such names during the game. He's a legend. Thank you for your contribution. That's- okay, thank you for that. Let's go to another voice note. Good day to you and to Mr. Gibbs. Mr. Gibbs will always be remembered for the 4-3-7 game against Australia. That game will never be forgotten. It will be in the history books forever and ever. And I couldn't agree with you more. Cristiano Ronaldo is the greatest player on the planet. Thank you. Bye. Oh, Heschel Gibbs, you see what you've started now. Okay, we're going to leave that debate. I think the first voice note was more of a comment. And we're going to get into that 438 match. A lot of people are tweeting to us about it. But Heschel Gibbs, I'm interested to find out how do you look back at your cricket career overall? Because it ended prematurely, you say, in 2010. I do know, I remember that one of your goals was to make it to the 2011 Cricket World Cup. But how do you look back? Look at <laughs> I don't look back. I'm only in the present. But, um, uh, you know, I, I couldn't, I don't think I could have maybe achieved more than with regards to my talent that I underachieved as far as my cricket was concerned. But, you know, I was never one to play for So I was a very, that's why I love cricket and soccer. I mean, rugby and soccer so much. Because it's more of an instinctive, you know, it's more of an instinctive sport and, um, you know, cricket is a lot of stuff, a lot of things you need to be able to restrict yourself and curb your, your natural instinct. Because you simply just can't always play an instinct, especially in in test cricket. You know, when the ball's seeing me around like that, you've got to be able to curb your curb your natural mm. your natural abilities, your, you know, your natural instinct. So, and focus more on your technique and, and play the situation. So, um, and if I look back, I mean, I don't think I could have achieved more. I think, you know, I would I had opportunity in the four three eight game to to be the first person to score maybe two hundred in the ODI. You know, I thought about it for twenty seconds and I and it actually didn't interest me. I mean the way I was playing at that particular particular day, it it called for the situation, uh, in order for me to, to play the way I did was just to keep on in the manner that I that I carried on playing and that's what was needed at, at that particular time, as, obviously, as far as that game is concerned. Mm. So if I look back, you know, and also um, I opened a lot in test cricket, you know, um, in 2004, 2005, I think it was 2005, Ray Jennings then asked me, because we didn't have any experience in the middle order, um, to try and fill a number four, number five, you know, five, uh, number five spot. And... Um, you know, my average went down from 51 opening as a, as, a, as a test opener down all the way down to 41, which, you know, I was trying to fulfill a role, which, you know, was for the betterment of the of the team. But obviously it didn't, you know, didn't didn't work. But, um, you know, so be it. You know, I was never one to play for stats. Um, I had some great times. You know, I had some unbelievable People always say with the amount of talent that I had, you know, underachieved. But that was for me completely relevant. And for me, it was about you know the the brand of cricket that I played. And you know, if people enjoyed that, then then I'm the happiest person in the world. And um, 
I'm sure there was there was one or two out there that, that did enjoy my brand of cricket for sure. And <laughs> a lot of people enjoyed your cricket. <laughs> if you look by uh, the, the amount of comments that are coming in, but let's go to the lines now. Uh, we've got mm. Colin that's called us from Cape Town. Good evening, Colin. Thank you for holding and for calling us. Good evening, good evening, and good evening, Herschel. Good evening, sir. Ah, my man, I used to, <laughs> I used to follow you in your rugby days. Wow. Well, I'm a semi-three-year-old, but anyway, Herschel, what I want yeah. to ask you, my friend, do you think that the players at the modern age and the stage that we are at now have yeah. got the guts and the gumption, the determination when you and John T and those guys and the Pollocks and uh, so-and-so, Hansi and all those guys, you know, yeah. I was reading some stats, 113 one-day ODIs, and we won 93. That, that, that was a record, man. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. whenever I still watch you play, I just say to myself, you know, to me, I think I can read your mind. As an opener, as an opener, you used to say to yourself, hey, you little S, whatever it is, you can bow wherever you like, but I'm going to smash you. And you, when you hit those six sixes, you know, you had so much guts. And the, the British, those days, they went on and with our backs to the wall. The middle holders, they could, they could get you out of trouble. But it seems yeah. like our British now are not, uh, uh, they haven't got that determination and guts they seem to be playing for each other for for, for themselves you know what i mean mm, okay. and Rachel, i agree 100 percent with you now you take uh, quentin the cock you were an opener yeah. you take quentin the cock he was opening his average was 52 55 they pushed him down to number six or seven he's now coming into bat with bowlers and holding his average has yeah. dropped our selectors are not doing us a favor. They're doing harm to Quentin. Quentin was a fantastic opener. And they kept him opening with Ashi Amna and those guys those days. Even now with Markham, Quentin is an yeah. opener. You cannot face a brand new ball and then want to come in and spinners come in and your bowlers are Okay, Colin, thanks for that. We're going to have to move on. But Heschel, I'll give you a chance to answer that and I'll take the other calls because a lot of people are asking about the Proteas. Look, I mean, I think obviously with the World Cup just a few months away, um, you know, we're always going to have a chance of of winning. You know, people must understand that. Um, You know, I'll give you myself, for example, it was, you know, that for me was the biggest stage and I never got stage fright. Um, I was never one that was, you know, fear of failure, you know, as far as the biggest stage is concerned. That's what I always enjoyed. Now, obviously being through all the teens, you know, from 99 up until now, um, we saw it last in the Champions Trophy. Uh, we, you know, capitulated again against Pakistan when, you know, maybe we should have maybe won that game. Um, it's just, you know, there's some. There's a lot of players that that don't like that don't like pressure. You know, and World Cups is all to do with pressure because it's on the day. Now, a lot of players and uh, might be blessed with it. You know, that that are born with thriving on the big stage, whereas others go completely into the shell. And you know, they they rather be more cautious than you know than than, than actually be a bit more brave. Now, if we if we can maybe you know overcome that, um, then obviously our chances of, of improving or, or winning a World Cup would be better, or at least making a final. I've always said if we make a final, we probably go you know end up winning the the, uh, the World Cup because mm. we haven't made a final you know since you know since obviously since well we haven't made a final yeah, at all. But um, always also you you know you look at your strength of a one day. Of your one-day squad, uh, we were lucky in '99. Uh, you know, we had obviously Callis, Kuzner, and Pollock. In the, I mean, playing the best cricket of their lives, basically without fear, etc., etc. 2003 was a very different, um, very different tournament. You know, hosting at home is a bit more pressure on. Not everything, you know, went according to plan and gelled, etc., etc. But 
It's not that we don't have the players. It's the players, you know, they just need to be able to accept that there's going to be pressure and still play their normal game without going into their shell. Then we might have a better chance of winning. We're always going to have some world-class batsmen. We're always going to have some world-class bowlers. Um, it's just unfortunately over the last couple of years that the quality of our all-rounders hasn't been that good. Mm-hmm. And that is the only issue, I think, why we might not have, um, you know, had the best chance of, of getting through to a final as far as um, the World Cups are concerned. Yeah. You know, I think last, in the last World Cup 2015, people talk, people talk about my, my drop catch in 99. <laughs> I mean, that, and then it didn't happen in the semifinal. But in 2015, we dropped three catches yeah. and we missed two runouts in that semifinal. Against New Zealand. Yeah, against New Zealand. And people don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. You know? Okay, we're going to get I into no idea why. <laughs> We're going to get into that, but it's interesting you, you mentioned the all-rounder because they're still looking for that all-rounder. They're still looking for Look, a betting all-rounder at I seven. Petla I mean, Dili Petla has come on nicely the last, the last couple of months, you know, in the last year or so. Mm. But he is also, he blows hot and cold. Mm. Um, Chris Morris has been out for a long time. Also, injury, you know, he's just come back. Then they got this Bjorn Mulder, mm. who's very much similar to... Colors. You know, bowling-wise, you know, to, to Petla Choir. You know, mm-hmm. the bowling, the same sort of pace. There's not much of a difference between the three of them. You see, other than Morris, he's obviously bowled, you know, he bowls a lot quicker, but he's been out for so long. So, that is the issue for me. But, you know, when it goes to, I mean, the World Cup being in England, you never know what sort of weather you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Now, luckily for us, I mean, our bowling, our team bowling is quite strong now. The Dale's back. But then our saving grace over the last couple of years, last four or five years, has been in on to here. But if the weather conditions is not going to be great in, in England for the World Cup, you never know with England. At least we've got the seamers to, you know, to break, you know, get us a couple of early wickets, which is so important. And Timmy, um, in the middle periods, like I said, he's been our saving grace and picked up wickets regularly in the middle overs. So from a bowling perspective, you know, I think we, we've got it covered. Um, and I think obviously with Avery being out, you know, we got Reza Hendricks, we got Markham, they've got, uh, under Disson, um, Ash, I would like to see Ash make some runs, you know, I understand he, you know, he is getting on a little bit, um, and he's been a great player for so long. Obviously these, the people, I mean, the expectancy from people, you know, they've obviously expected a lot more from him, but, you know, he's human, <laughs> he's human, and, you know, I've been through what he's gone through. Um, but he, you know, he needs to come to the party. He understands it. Um, but then, you know, there's like Markram and Hendricks. They're very similar in, in the way they play. Um, and that is why we're going to miss AB. I mean, AB's a great player. We're going to miss that, that sort of player that can take the game, you know, by the scruff of the neck and dominate. Um, mm. So, Quinton, can, uh, you know, we're going to rely on Quinton quite a lot. We're going to rely on Hashim quite a lot. David Miller also needs to, you know, come to the party in a big way. Um, so, it's, it's basically up to them. I mean, the squad that whoever goes to the World Cup, they need to be able to play brave cricket despite having the most pressure there is as far as international cricket is concerned, and that is in the World Cup. Okay. I mean, for me, it was, it was the biggest stage but a, and a stage that I thrived on. I couldn't wait for the World Cups. We've got Mr. Pillay that's called us from East London. Thanks for holding, Mr. Pillay. Good evening. Good evening, Davizo. I think uh, South Africa is definitely extremely proud of Gibbs. There is no doubt. But I want to give a global perspective, you know. Mm. I was there in India one time. You know that the Johnny Rhodes is extremely popular there. And yes. I never thought that Gibbs is like that. But um, we found that uh, when he was there, the, the, the hype in the media, even in the airports, you know, look, in South Africa, if you see a player, we don't see that much of a hype. But it's not like the case in India. So I'm saying that uh, definitely Gibbs is, a, is, is not a national person, you know. He has actually proved internationally. And that's why my question now comes, you know, that... So he is saying that South Africa do have... Look, uh, Ding, uh, Clinton Dikog was playing well. But after five innings, he's hitting his injury. All on a sudden, there is a big fall. 
We are not getting a player like him when the bowlers are fearing if this man is not getting out, we are not going to win. So he needs, I think, if he is financially all right, I don't know whether that's okay. He must <laughs> get involved into developmental activities. He must come to his 10K, he must come to free stay, he must get people. You know, I think that is what is his role as a South African, I should say that, you know. Great yeah. stuff, Mr. Yeah. Pillay. Thanks for that. And Jonty Rose, by the way, is so popular in India that he named his daughter India. Yeah, no, he's like I mean, he's the best fielder that, that will ever play the game, you know. And uh, and and not according so, to Ricky Ponting. Ricky Ponting thinks you're the better fielder. <laughs> well, it's, it's a matter of opinion, a matter of opinion. But you know, I fielded alongside anybody more. So um, I mean, I could see. I mean, I had the best, <laughs> the best seat in the house. But um, I mean, and John is a wonderful man as well. A wonderful human uh, being. Best, uh, best fielder of all time. Mm. Now, Heshi, you went to the 99 World Cup, but I didn't know how I was going to get there, uh, where they yeah. all said that you dropped the World Cup. But having said that, <laughs> I've read Steve Waugh's book, all 700 pages yeah. of out of out of the what clo- out of the closet, I think it was called. He says he actually never said that you dropped the world out of my comfort zone. That's what it was called. He says yeah. in the book that he never said that you dropped the World Cup. How do you look back at that moment and 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 what has been said about it? Yeah. Look, because they ended up, because they ended up winning the World Cup, he was, he was happy to go along with that sort of, uh, you know, I don't know what they mean, but that with that story, basically, mm. you know, um, that's what. I mean, he didn't say anything to me. He didn't say uh, anything at the press conference afterwards. But um, you know, because they ended up winning the World Cup, he was happy to go along with that. And um, I mean, that happened in the six, the six game. Yeah. It didn't happen in a, in a semi-final. You know, the semi-final ended in a draw, so I don't know why people... <laughs> they only went through to the final because they had a better run rate than us yes. Australia. Otherwise, we would have gone through the final... Uh, we would have made the final against Pakistan in 99. But, um, you know, that the 99 World, World Cup semi-final was not a phenomenal game. A wonderful game to be part of. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and we've spoken to Lance Klusner actually on this yeah. show, and um, everybody remembers the run out, but he says they always forget that he was player of the series and he, of the mm. tournament. And he actually also says that was probably South Africa's best chance to win a World Cup with that 99 squad. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think, like I said, you know, we had three of the best, you know, the best modern day all runners in Callis, Pollock, and Klusner. You look at the all, you know, the teams that have won the World Cups, uh, as. Uh, as uh, 10, 12 years, even 15 years. You must just look, I mean, Ponting and, and Steve Austin, they were special. Um, you know, they had McGraw, they had Warren, they had an unbelievable batting lineup. They were easily the best modern day team you can imagine. Um, so they didn't rely much on, on, well, on, on all rounders. Um, 2007, 2000, uh, then 2011, 2015, you know, that all rounders then come into the, you know, into the game a bit more, frequently. Um, and now the strength of your all-rounders. When you look at a lot of the other teams, now they 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 all the all-rounders. So, you know, um, I'm not saying we don't have work. We don't have work class. Um, you know, all-rounders just yet. Um, the guys are still basically finding their feet. You know, if we don't have work class all-rounders. It just means that the specialist batters and specialist bowlers will have, you know, come to the party more. That's all. That's that's as plain and simple as it is. Yeah. For those who've just joined us, if you're not sure who we're talking to, we are talking to Heschel Gibbs right here on SAFM Spot On on Flashback Fridays as we look back at his uh, career and just get his thoughts on what's happening at the moment. You can still join the conversation on 0891-104-207. SMS line is 40938 and we take WhatsApp voice notes on 061-4104-107. Flashback Fridays on SAFM. Still chatting to Heschel Gibbs. Now, Hesh, a lot of people are getting into that uh, 2007 World Cup six sixes, the first batsman to do so in a 50-over international match. And the ICC actually recently reminded us of that. They posted a video on your birthday of that over. Was that a goal for you in cricket? Is it something that you wanted to do one day to hit six sixes and one over? No, no, I just... Message came out that uh, you know that we needed to we, we needed to step up the the one and um, I just took it upon myself to do that um, you know so I was just <laughs> I was just obeying 
obeying, <laughs> obeying instructions. That is it. At which stage <laughs> of that over, though, did you realize that you can actually hit six sixes yet? No, look, I just, you know, you play every ball on his merit. I mean, you know, if you, there's always a challenge between you and a bowler. Uh, and I basically, you know, there's some batsmen that might want to use their feet every ball to a spinner. But I sort of, you know, uh, I sort of played the, the game like quite smart and allowed him to just show his cards, you know, the first couple of balls and just to see what he was going to do. I mean, no, he was only a, a part-time bowler. But, um, you know, I, I sort of sat back for, for a little bit and just to see what the first couple of balls he was going to do and then decided, well, you know, after the first three, that uh, I was just going to continue irrespective of what ball I was, was coming my way. Poor Dan van Brugge <laughs> there. Did you, did you realize at the time Michel gives that there was a million dollars on offer from the sponsors uh, if someone achieved that feat? No, no, not at all. Um, you know, Jonty, only Jonty. Obviously, while I, I mean, while I was batting, I was, I wasn't, uh, uh, I wasn't aware of it. Um, but Jonty was obviously representing Standard Bank at the World Cup. He was in the changing room, watching all this. Um, so he happened to be in the, you know, sitting with the players in the viewing room, and he was the one that told them, "Well, if someone gets a million dollars, um, I mean, obviously, he sixes that." You know, Johnny Walker, obviously the main sponsor, yeah. he's sponsoring the million dollars. But um, that's why everybody went berserk. Because <laughs> what happened was we normally used to share the prize money. So, you know, if you get mad at a match award, you know, you get 50%. Or, and, the, and the team gets 50%. So that's how it used to work then. So, you know, $500,000 would have gone to the players and 500000 to me. But we only learned afterwards that the million dollars go to a charity of my choice, and I happened to give it to um, Habitat for Humanity. Yes, I remember that. Is that why mm. you were later awarded the freedom of St. Kitts? Uh, was it because of those sixties <laughs> of the sixties? Because you were given citizenship? Yeah, I was. <laughs> they were happy to announce it to the world that they awarded me St. Kitts. Yeah, but to this day, no one's. No one followed through on the whole thing. Oh. So, so I'm not a honorary citizen of, of St. Kitts. They said that in 2007. <laughs> and <laughs> is there any truth that that bet that you that you hit those sixes with was auctioned uh, for about 300,000 Australian dollars, if, I, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, sorry, yeah, in uh, rents. Uh, it was auctioned a couple of months ago, I think, you know, along with a, a bet used by Donald Bradman. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know who bought it and... I, I gave it to uh, Alan Lamb. Oh. You remember Alan Lamb? Yes, the he England batsman. England and England. Yes. And he, you know, he's involved with, you know, selling memorabilia. I gave it to him way back in 2008 while oh. I was in the UK, or 2009 while I was in the UK. And I, I haven't I haven't seen any other bats or anything, you know, since then. So <laughs> that guy, I was, it was obviously new to me when he was buying it. So I don't know who had had it anyway. Okay. We've got Daniel that's uh, called us from Johannesburg. Daniel, thank you for holding. Heschel Gibbs is with us. Good evening. Sure. Evening, Heschel. Lacker to to and hear all these these stories. I've got got two questions. The one's more of a comment. You know, South Africa, I think in one-day cricket, for my view, I think we just stick to our plans too much. You know, we're too scared to play spontaneous cricket and think on our feet and be instinctual and that's how you play and I think if we had more players like that I think we're too scared to deviate from our plan and in one day cricket you need to be more like Pakistan and West Indies they're more successful because they lean much more towards the not a lot of planning and just spur of the moment stuff and I think we need to bring players in that, that think like that test cricket is more about sticking to the plan and the discipline and that's why we're a lot better at that in the, in the pressure moment and I just yeah. thought your comments on that. And then the second point um, is, what do you think we need to do to revitalize test cricket? I mean, all the players say that's the pinnacle of the sport. You know, night cricket, I think it's a no-brainer. I'm surprised night cricket hasn't been adopted quicker. And, uh, you know, to go to cricket after work, is, it's a no-brainer to get bums on seats. Is the test championship going to make a difference? You know, do we need to put more money into it? 
Okay, Daniel, thanks for that. Hold that thought, Heshel. I want to take John back to back and then we'll get you to answer those. Jen from, John from Pretoria, thanks for calling us. Good evening. Have you that, man? Fine, thanks to you, John. No, thanks a million, man. Uh, Hesh, much appreciated yeah. for all the movies, man. Yeah. Thank you. Hesh? Very kind, yeah, yeah, very kind of you. Thank you. Yes, I just want to ask something. Um, don't you at some think that you have been the greatest had you not been far too flamboyant. I'm just thinking about the game, the 49 game, to say it could have easily been a game that you would have been the first batman to get 200. Had you not, yeah. say, had you been calm to pull it? Because I think maybe we should not have gone to a situation where Makanya, I mean, Makaya had to bet. Had you been calm and maybe been there up until the last ball. Okay, nice one. Thanks, John. Actually, Buta Dipenar says he played the most important knock in that 438 match because he was out for one. He says if it stayed there any longer, nobody would have got yeah. to 438. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think of Buta. You know, with Buta, I think he was, he was one of the most unfortunate guys in cricket. I think he was at the wrong time because he was one of the nicest best men you can ever have. Still a very, very nice guy, Buta Dipenar. Let's take those yeah. questions then, Heschel Gibbs. I don't know where yeah. you want to start. Um, the first one, the yeah. first one of the gentleman before John. Yes, Daniel. Yeah, you were talking about... Uh, Test cricket. Yeah, how, um, we, no, you were talking about the, the conservativeness. Of, yes, of, yes, yes, yes. As far as the approach our one day cricket. Yeah. Look, I mean, I don't know what he said. Uh, I don't know what he said at uh, international or at the protest level anymore. They obviously have... They've had two different batting consultants over the last couple of years. Um, but that is where your batting consultant you know, plays a big part. Is maybe, I wouldn't say trying to change them, but you know, change the, the mental approach really and you know, make it more, a bit more instinctive. Um, it's not that you know, we don't have the players to do that. You know, it's giving them a, you know, a different thought process uh, and a different approach. Maybe a few more attacking options. Um, and those guys that actually have the attacking options will play with a bit more instinctive because with a bit more instinct because they simply have more attacking options. So mm-hmm. It comes a little bit easier to them. Now it's up to the maybe the consultants to be able to try and install that into the current players to give them something extra options so they can use more. So um, obviously the players that are limited, a bit more limited as far as if scoring options are concerned, those, will, those players will be a bit more conservative, whereas the guys that have more options and have, uh, have that, um, that confidence in their ability as far as more attacking options are concerned, those guys obviously play a bit more freely. Mm. Now, I mean, that is, you know, that is up to the, the batting coaches and the consultants, those sort of, those sort of people, to, to give those current players more options where they can score in better areas. Yeah. That was the one question. The other question was with regards to... Test you know, cricket. Yeah, you know, test cricket. Test cricket is, I mean, will always be the pinnacle. There, for me, I mean, I was obviously, I mean, I, I played in the, the first couple of years of IPL. I think that what they should do is just limit the amount of T20 leagues. There's so many different players now. <laughs> as far as the T20 leagues are concerned. You don't know who they are, where they come from. But the standard of international cricket is going down simply because there's obviously more money to be made in all these T20 leagues. Now, if they, if they limited the amount of T20 leagues and give less people options, then the other, the other go-to plan would have to be to try and make it in, in first-class cricket and, and maybe end up one day in, in test cricket. I mean, I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I still to this day, I understand it's about entertainment. But somebody like myself, well, I mean, I played 90 tests. I look at it, <laughs> I look at a T20 match. I don't see things, different things happening every other game. You see the same stuff, the same shots. <laughs> I mean, I can't understand how people are enjoying it when they're seeing so much of the same thing <laughs> over and over and over again. That for me... There's not entertainment. But in test cricket, whether it's three days or five days, 
you're going to see something different every other game. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, for the cricket, you know, the, the two cricketer, we'd rather see a guy slug it out for 100, uh, you know, and on a swimming wicket than go and I'll say, well done to that guy. That's great. Prove to me that you can maybe get 100 or 80 or 50 on the wicket that team. Then, you know, then we're talking. That's cricket. But uh, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very surprised that the spectators, the people around the world have enjoyed T20 so much because they see the same thing time and time again. I just I can't believe that. Okay. Really can't. For the sake of yeah. time, we're going to have to move a bit quickly. Yeah, um, because the people at the bar are also complaining. Yeah, tell There's them. No g- music, <laughs> falling asleep. So, so I can maybe do two more questions. On that. Okay. Yeah. Okay, two more questions. Naz, is it Nazim yeah. wants you to clear the air about the Hansi Cronier saga there? We'd actually oh, done yeah. a show on the Hansi, on Hansi Cronier and how we should be remembered. We spoke to his family. We spoke to his headmaster at Grey College at the time. Uh, the story that we all know is that you were asked to underperform, score 20 or less. You forgot about that and you made 74. How do you look back at that period? Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, it was obviously um, a very stressing time Well basically a year in my life, um, you know, 2000. Um, yeah, I mean, I've I mean, I obviously gone into length about it as to what happened in my book. But, um, you know, I mean, to this day, the people will still say that I, that, that I fixed games. I, I mean, you can't, you can't do that anyway. Um, it's just possible. You know, it's a different thing now. The spot fixing is a different thing altogether. Yeah. But, you know... I was obviously asked to, to score less than 20 in the one game. I ended up getting 70, 74, um, and we ended up winning the game. It was the only game that was in question. Um, Ante, I'm afraid, you know, he he had a he love for money and, and greed for easy money, you know, got the better of him, uh, and he ultimately paid the price, you know. So um, as far as getting banned for life. Um, but, you know, he was such an inspirational captain. You know, everybody that played under him will all tell you the exact same thing. Um, they never questioned anything that he, he ever did, never backsatted him, never questioned anything. I mean, he was just a fantastic person um, on the field. He had a great sense of humor, you know. And uh, this, this you'll hear from any other player that, you know, that played under him. So... Mm. It was just unfortunate what happened. You know, he was human at the end of the day. You know, his love for money or easy money got the better of him. Um, but, you know, he was human. He, he was, unfortunately, at the time of his death, you know, he was he, he turned his whole life around and, you know, probably maybe saw him differently uh, and accepted that he made a mistake. You know, there was those, because he was international captain or captains to Africa, would never have forgotten, you know, forgiven him for, for what he did. But, you know, you can't please everybody. But uh, a lot of his true supporters would have said, yes, he made a mistake, and, and that's it, you know. So it was a it was a, it was a hard time in my life, but uh, I managed to get through it and, you know, and, and just get on with life. And the last one from us, and it's a common question also on social media, mm. Heschel Gibbs. Your book came out to the point in 2010, and it was straight yeah. uh, to the point. There seemed to be a fallout with a lot of players after it came out. Graham Smith said you must apologize and sit down with some <laughs> of the of the team members. How yeah. do you look back? Do you have any regrets with what you put in the book? And and uh, did you mend the relationships after that? No, I mean, he was the only one that didn't like the book. I didn't show it. Um, and, you know, Cricket South Africa uh, also had a issue with it. I mean, everybody that's read the book, there was nothing there, nothing in there that uh, that I should have got my contract with, uh, uh, with Gorn for. Um, they, there was nothing. I didn't mention anybody's name. I didn't have a go at anybody. I think all the stuff that happened to me over the 20 years that I put in the book, you know, was all things that happened off the field. That because that was who I am. If I just put cricket in the book, it would have been just as boring as every other autobiography. But you know, there's more to life. That is the person that I am. There was more to life than just cricket, and you know, that's the way I played my cricket. I didn't sacrifice living my life because of my cricket. I was never going to do that to myself because I was a public figure. 
no worries. I was always going to, you know, say, look, these are my years of, of playing cricket, but I still also want to enjoy my life, and that's, that's exactly what I did. No one was going to tell me how to live my life, um, and uh, and that's exactly what went to the book, and, you know, cricket's happened. The skipper at the time didn't like that. Um, there was no reason for me to lose my contract. Um, I know that, and everybody else has told me that. Okay. We're going to end off with that. Just a comment from Dr. Ali Baha as well as uh, Kes Naidu directed to you, Heschel Gibbs. Let's hear. Look, he was such a naturally talented, gifted batsman, sportsman, cricketer. Uh, I've always said of Herschel that if he had the mental capacity, drive, determination, say of Steve Wall, uh, Herschel may very well be one of the greatest batsmen of the world has ever seen. He really was so gifted, so talented, and he played many great knocks for South Africa, and he was a credit to South African cricket. I had the privilege of being the post-match presentation host when Herschel Gibbs scored that incredible 175 in the greatest ever one-day international, the 4-3-8 game at Wanderers. Uh, his eyes were as big as soccer balls, and I remember asking him um, a message to the fans, and he said he hopes the fans wake up with a moose of babalats the next morning. And I got emails from around the world with fans asking, what is a moose of babalats? So if anything, Herschel Gibbs put up on the map in 2006 with an incredible performance. I think he's a batsman we'll remember for years to come, for someone who played fearless cricket and had the courage to live his dreams Thank you, Kes Naidu. And the last voice note. Thank you so much for an amazing show, especially since you have the greatest South African player that I've seen next to Andrew Hart and Herschel Gibbs in the studio. Just a quick question for Herschel. I just need to ask him this year. What is his opinion of Dwayne Olofia's new deal and turning on SA Cricket, especially after the announcement that JP Dumini, Chris Morris and Imran Tahir have been not given new SA contracts? What's his whole opinion on it? Thank you again. Shots uh, a lot, Denzel. We, we are actually going to do a show on Kolpak Denzel. We are really, really out of time. I'm sorry that we won't be able to answer that. But Heshi, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate your time. We've kept your guest waiting, but we thought we should bring you on and just uh, highlight what you, you did and most importantly, give you the respect that you deserve. You've made so many people happy and left us with so many wonderful memories. Yeah, thanks. I uh, appreciate all the... the uh Nice gesture and, and the kind comments. Um, I'm very grateful that obviously uh, I played for so long and the people appreciated my brand of cricket. So um, thanks for all the lovely comments and thanks for your time. Thank but you. more importantly, have a tremendous weekend. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have a Heschel Gibbs like weekend. <laughs> thanks, Heschel. Enjoy your bride. Thank you. Heshi Brew on Twitter. You can follow him there. Wonderful conversation. And we do apologize for the line. We had agreed to a studio interview with Heshel Gibbs, but due to unforeseen circumstances, we ended up having to take him over the line and we were not going to miss a chance to speak to uh, Heshel Gibbs. So we do apologize for the line, but thank you for staying with us uh, throughout the hour with Heshel Gibbs. That's it. That's our time.